Hello and welcome to the Three Musketeers podcast. Introducing the brothers behind it, Hamid and Hissam Amiri. Join them on their journey as they discuss unconventional topics from different perspectives. Real experience with key speakers around the world. Welcome back to another episode of Three Musketeers podcast. It's myself, Hamid and Hissam again. And today we have a special guest, Jem Hill, which I'll hand over any second to an intro. I think before we do, the one of the topics we want to talk about today is we're almost coming to a year since we were officially in lockdown. And we've already covered on different topics, the impact of COVID from a financial career uncertainty. But today we want to talk about, you know, how that has an impact on mental health long-term and short-term and what should we be looking out for and I guess get some more insight knowledge from Jem on how to deal with it. Jem, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'll hand over to you to give yourself you know an intro because I probably don't do it justice. <laughs> no, thank, thank you very much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. So yes, my name is Jem Hill. I am the founder of a company called Selfcare Backpack and we, I, just me, provide workshops and talks and uh, resources that you can work through focused around self-care, building up a self-care routine, figuring out what self-care looks like for you, as well as other like mental health and well-being resources. My background is I have, I've been diagnosed with anxiety and complex PTSD from trauma in my childhood. I started talking about my anxiety openly in 2017. I'm actually a software tester in my day job. And I spoke about my anxiety at a conference in 2017 and a friend of mine came up to me after the talk and said, basically that doesn't have a mental illness as far as he knows, but he has no idea how to look after his mental health the way you keep on top of your physical health. And that's the first time I kind of really realized that people may not have thought about it as much as I had to. And we're not really taught how to look after our mental health, you know, It's, it's something you have to kind of figure out yourself. And so I thought I could share all my resources and the stuff that I've put together because I'm not a mental health professional, I have no like formal training. All the stuff that I talk about and all the stuff that is on the website are things that have helped me. I have made them a bit more generic in places because not everyone has anxiety and my kind of anxiety and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, not a mental health professional, but I've learned a lot and I'm sharing everything that I can, all the things that I've learned and just talking openly about this stuff to try and make, start a conversation and make it like less scary to talk about, hopefully. Yeah, and I think you're 100% right. There's something about... I mean, total admiration, because it's not easy to talk about, you know, raw emotions and the stuff that, you know, someone personally go through. So hats off to you, because I know that's not easy. I've tried to talk about certain aspects of my life, and I know it's not easy and it's difficult. Jem, we talked about a disclaimer before we kickstart the conversation. Do you want to just run through that for the audience? Yeah. So as I said, as I said before, I'm not a mental health professional. None of us in on the podcast are mental health professionals, as far as I'm aware. No. <laughs> so obviously, take advice with that in mind take what is helpful leave the rest also we are going to be talking about mental health and possibly going into things like ptsd and post-covid stress and lockdown stress so bearing in mind that you may not be in a position mentally to or emotionally to listen to this stuff trigger warning warning up here before we get into it if you need to like listen to it later when you're in a better place then please do your safety and mental well-being is the most important thing here thanks jim i think that that's probably you know where we need to start and, and you know as you said we're going to talk about stuff that might be quite raw and people 
might be different stages on the mental health. So let's just talk about, you know, we talked about, I briefly mentioned COVID, you know, with everything happening around the world and the lockdown and, you know, the uncertainty, the, the worry, and obviously people being impacted, you know, families losing members, it's horrible, um, mm-hmm. especially where you can't be there for them, especially when they pass away, you're not at the funeral, all of those stuff. From your perspective, how do you think that has impacted people or will impact people going forward? I know it's quite generic, but I think that's yeah. probably where I want to start with. Yeah, no, definitely. I think from what I've seen and what I kind of... Uh, so I've been quite lucky that I've not massively been affected by COVID in terms of people that I know getting ill or losing anyone. I've been quite lucky in that. But obviously I've been affected in that I've not really left my flat for like a year or whatever. Mm. And I think a lot of people have lost an awful lot of what is important to them, right? The routines and the support that you would get from people that you would normally see that you might not be able to see. So suddenly you've got to kind of deal with a loss of routine, maybe even low-key feeling trapped inside your wherever you're living, as well as things like homeschooling, working from home, or going into work if you're a key or essential worker. And just, I think it's, the way I've kind of described it is, you can kind of deal with one or two things being uncertain in your yeah. life, as long as you have a foundation of something that is certain. And at during like the pandemic, everything was kind of uncertain and there's no kind of end in sight necessarily to these kind of restrictions, at least in the UK. So mm. there's no real certainty other than the restrictions, which means you've got nothing really to latch onto as an anchor to go, right, all this, this stuff is This is my way but, out. Yeah, or oh, this okay. is stable. This is a thing that I can rely on. It doesn't matter that there's other stuff going on as long as I've got this one thing. And I think some people have lost that one thing or it's been, they're not allowed essentially to go do that, whether that's going to the gym or seeing friends or just the routine of going into an office and having that did like that uh, separation between work and home. Everything's blurred, you know? Yeah. And you know what? It's, it's, it's got me thinking because you're 100% right. You know, looking at myself, I'm probably going to get here someone in this conversation too, because I'm looking at a stat. It says, you know, health, health organization said that two thirds of adults are worried about the effects of COVID on their life stats and um, on their life, which is quite a lot in regard of, you know, percentage. But you mentioned that, you know, one or two things, but it, it's a, a combination. So for me, we used to go gym on a regular basis uh, and obviously gym closed. And even when they didn't, uh, you know, we were just trying to be careful with mum and dad. So we stopped going gym. Mm-hmm. I hate running, but somehow I tried it, I've enjoyed it, and now it's an addiction. And listening to you, I feel like without me realizing, I've tried to latch on to that break from the chaos. And for me, mm-hmm. even though it isn't gym, it's running. And I think I think that's what you were saying, wasn't it? Is that you haven't got that routine. I think I forced myself to create that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Hassan? I'm just thinking out loud because, you know, we've been working from home for probably a year as well now. No, 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 I agree. I think the uncertainty has people on edge and they don't know what to do. They don't know how to plan things. I think this is the first time many people will go, do I plan my holiday or not? Um, Can I go out to see my friends or not? And it sort of uh, left people in an unknown place. Um, especially with jobs going, uh, whenever there is a economy crash, there's always going to be a huge effect on mental health. We've seen it before in 2008. 
but this time we've seen it with a pandemic as in you can't even see your own friends so this is i think in everyone's lifetime yeah unless people who were alive in 1917 or 18 that we're going to see something like this as a pandemic and an economic crash yeah um mm-hmm. and then we'll possibly see the effect of it of after we're out of this few months time or the post yeah post the lockdown but i have seen stats where people say um is on a rise anxiety and depression by 30 percent compared to a non-covid world which is high but it would is most likely going to be a lot higher once you take the real in stats as in once people know what's happening after everything is done so let me throw the question gems way as i mentioned post-covid how do you envision the new world could look like that's a yeah i've been thinking about that because i mean it doesn't feel too dramatic to say that i think there's going to be like a massive shift in how people interact with the world like i think working from home is just going to be a more standard thing even if you don't work from home all the time just the ability to be flexible i think in places where you wouldn't it wouldn't previously happen i think that just of working will have changed i think and also i just wonder like if there's going to be like a massive almost like everyone's split into two there's the people who are going to just go for everything lockdowns over restrictions are lifted just cramming everything they've missed for a year in like six months gotcha and then there's the new people who maybe are still clinically vulnerable, even if they're not vulnerable to the pandemic, or people who didn't realise they were clinically vulnerable, but now maybe have long COVID, like there's like the post-COVID stuff. So they've recovered from COVID themselves, but they still have you know, issues with breathing, their lung capacity is reduced. Yeah. There's even some evidence that some come away with neurological conditions, maybe something like chronic fatigue syndrome. And I wonder if those people are going to have a hard time feeling safe in large groups of people again. Because if you've never been chronically unhealthy before, to suddenly be chronically unhealthy is a massive shift in your lifestyle and your the way you have to live, right? And so I wonder yeah. if there's going to be this weird split of people who are absolutely going to go for it and then people who are going to be like, I don't feel comfortable doing it, even though in theory it's safe, and how that's going to affect them as well. Sounds quite um, quite scary. Um, no, <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, let's not scare our audience you know. Oh yeah, no, no. I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure we will. It just like there was a couple of months of us having to get used to lockdown. There's going to be a couple of months of us having to get used to not Readjust. being locked down. And yeah, 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 exactly. There's going to be adjustment period. Whatever life will look like, it will be. You know, it, we will continue. I just don't think it will necessarily be the same as it was in January 2020. You know? No, no, hundred percent agree. So with everything going on, I just want to ask: How important is it for us to be aware of our own mental health, and how? should we sort of be aware of it and try to look after ourselves? Some sort of like top tips. Yeah, so I think, so there's a thing that I've re- I, I've seen over the lockdown is people have kind of realised, I think the thing that I've seen the most is people realising how important certain activities that they can no longer do were to their mental health. It's that thing of like people not thinking about it because you've built up a routine that works for you, like the gym, right? You built up a routine, you went to the gym, that worked for you. Yeah. Then suddenly you couldn't do that and you suddenly realise the importance of that, so you have to try and replace it with something else. Like, I'm the same. I used to go to the gym regularly. I can't anymore. I've had to do different things to replace that part of my life. And so it's kind of making sure that you're still looking after yourself, essentially, and acknowledging, I think most people have kind of got to this point, but acknowledging you cannot do the things that normally would make you feel better or look after your mental or physical health and figuring out what you've replaced them with. And if that is 
fine or not fine. I'm going to define self-care first, and then I'm going to go into top tips out of that. Yeah. So self-care can be defined as any deliberate action taken to look after your mental, emotional, or physical well-being. When I say look after, I mean contribute, preserve, like increase, top up. All the definitions of self-care are vague, and that's because self-care is different for everyone. What works for me isn't going to work for either of you two, and vice versa. Whether that's from a mental, emotional, or physical perspective, I can't run, I've got ankle issues. For example, I literally can't run, there's a chance I may dislocate my ankles if I run. So I don't. I have a rowing machine in my flat. I row. I don't know many people who love rowing as much as I do, but I've always loved rowing. For example. Also, very importantly, in that definition of self-care and in any definition of self-care, at no point does it say you have to want to do it or it's something you enjoy doing. Self-care is things that you do to look after yourself deliberately, whether you enjoy them or not. So that can be running. If you suddenly decide, if you started off hating running and then you kind of got addicted to it, you mm. did that because you knew you needed to do something for that part of your self-care. And may, and even now, right, I'm guessing there's times when it's like cold and wet and rainy because the UK, you don't really want to go out for a run, but you know you have to, to make yourself feel better, right? Yeah. So it's that kind of thing. It's figuring out what you do to look after yourself. And, and that can be literally anything from, I take meds every day. I take an anti-anxiety med and I take a med to control my migraines. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy taking them because I don't hate them, but generally it's just a part of my life. I take them. That is part of my self-care. Exercising, part of my self-care. Crafting, part of my self-care because that is the meditative action that I do. I don't meditate. I craft. I do something with my hands and my brain can kind of just chill out a little bit. And so it's really hard for me to say the top tips about self-care because I can't say, because people could be listening to me talking about my self-care going, what? is that i hate crafting i can't knit that kind of do you know what i mean because yeah yeah so for me it's kind of like figuring out how to help people so i split myself care into mind body and emotion or spirit or soul what do i do to look after my mind i read i talk to people who do the same kind of work as me and network to kind of get that kind of enrichment and learn things for my mind for my emotions or spirit like there's therapy there's surrounding myself with people who support me for my Mm -hmm. body there's exercise and stretching doing the exercises that i need to do for my ankles so what you can do to figure out your self-care is just write down things you do for your mind things you do for your body things you do for your emotion your spirit your soul depending on how you want to name that part of you and just figure out what you do and what you do that overlaps because there's going to be some that overlap in everything right yeah and then you can always write what you did in the before times and what you can do now and figure out what works out of that and that for me is how I started to figure out my self-care, was just writing it down. What do I do? What can I do? What do I need to do? I like that. That's quite... Um, even though, you know, you were saying people might not relate, I think your three points of mind, spiritual, physical, I can see it. And mm-hmm. Do you think we're missing that trick sometimes that we don't... So I was on a different podcast and someone was talking about, you know, your goals and dreams. And you should write it down so you can visually see it. You know, you're being honest with yourself, you know, what you can achieve and what you can't. I think you're, it's the same method to a degree where you're saying you internally reflect and say, what do I like? What don't I like? What can I do and can't do? And that should give you a picture because no one else can tell you those and what those are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, very much so. And I'm a big fan of writing things down and making things visible and tangible because you can't, because in writing or typing or whatever, you're making your thoughts coherent and in words and that sometimes can make it could can change what you're thinking and what you're writing down and what you actually want to do 
So I'm a big fan of writing everything down and making things tangible. Definitely. I'm exactly the same. And I don't know when or where I, I thought that is the way forward. But I think when I adopted it, I realized, first of all, I get to see what it is every day visually rather than in my mind. But also, as you said, it's it's the only time that you're you're honest with yourself. And mm-hmm. you, you let your mind do the logical thinking, the pros and cons, whatever the decision is. So I love those the breakdown that you give to the audience. I probably want to expand the conversation to the group because we've obviously, you know, Gems had her personal experience, but I'm looking at Hesom and then eventually I'll come to myself as well. So from what Gem said, what we're talking about, if I'm going to pose a question to you, Hesom. If you had to give your personal perspective, what would those be putting you on the spot? In terms of? In terms of the importance of mental health. Yeah. You know, as, as, as Jen mentioned, but, you know, how did you identify or have you identified? Have you had those moments like, you know, we talked about the gym and the running sort of thing? I, I've had the running and walking in terms of as in taking a break or trying to do, well, especially when we're all working, there is no sort of off button or no drive home anymore. Which is strange because, you know, when people used to drive home, that was their off time where they listened to music or listened to something while they're driving. For yeah. me, literally, I try to, whenever the weather is good, it hasn't been for the past few days, <laughs> after work is literally switch off my laptop and go for a walk and listen to something. So as in, it is my... So you're replacing? Yeah, my I'm replacing driving to work, driving from away from work by walking away from my house and then returning back. But I think what is also as important is that people are aware of others' mental health as well, especially now. We can't, especially in work, we can, we have to be more, what's the word I'm looking for? Aware? Aware and uh, <laughs> conscious of other people, especially now, because it's a different time. We should all be aware and someone could be struggling. Um, and I think Jem said that, you know, she has people that she reaches out to. And I think people should be aware that, you know, Every, people could be struggling so don't be afraid to reach out or go to people say are you okay so let's let's say something right now for the audience who are listening is if you're listening to this whenever this this comes out take a minute uh pause this podcast and reach out to some of your friends Hassan's looking at me you're gonna yeah once you pause the podcast listen back to it don't close it please okay all right. Yeah. So, pa- so pause <laughs> it. Building a su- <laughs> build the suspense. Pause it. Reach out to friend, family that you haven't spoken to for a while. Just drop a message and say, "Hope you're okay." You know, something as simple as that. Or if you feel the need that you need to speak to someone, again, it's okay. Reach out to someone and say, "Let me know when you got five, ten minutes to talk." Because I think just listening to you and uh, and Jem, I think sometimes that's what we don't do enough. From my perspective, anyway, I, I think I'm guilty sometimes where I wouldn't, especially a few years ago, I wouldn't want to open up and tell people about my, you know, mental health or my struggles because I saw it as a weakness, you know, being a guy and, you know, someone who's very macho. Mental health, come on, you know, the famous words that you shouldn't say, like, you know, man up and stuff like that. That was, you know, that was me that I thought it would make me look weak if I talked about it. It's it's funny you, you say that. I, I'm trying to think who the person was i was listening to a professor and then she referenced humpty dumpty you know humpty dumpty sat on a wall and then he fell no he had a big fall and then i have no idea what you're referring to gem you know humpty dumpty yeah 
I know how to stop. It's a nursery rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> I was I looking a bit confused. Going, yeah. I wasn't in UK when everyone knows Humpty Dumpty. The thing what the professor was saying is Humpty Dumpty had a huge fall. But he said, you know, we don't know the people left or right if they've had huge fall by just looking at them. So be aware as in ask them the question, are you okay? Um, that's I think that's where there's been, I'm sure there is the Humpty Dumpty theory where people say, what does it actually mean? You should look it up, Ahmed. What, the Humpty Dumpty? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a nursery rhyme. Okay. I'll it's prefer- like five words, I think, or five lines. I prefer the, <laughs> yeah. the professor's sort of um, analogy. An- analogy. But I, I think there's something into that. Jem, from your perspective, you know, mm-hmm. loop you back in. Do you see the shift or the change where a few years ago, like mental health wasn't talked openly um people like myself were like it's a point of weakness have you seen the shift but also how would you say would you say the importance of literally speaking up and opening up is a good thing yeah so i've definitely seen the shift there's definitely more people kind of talking about it openly it's an interesting one i think overall it's a net good talking about things definitely because it's one of those things where the more you talk about it the more people feel comfortable about it uh when i uh, talked openly about cutting contact with my birth family like five or six people that I knew who I had no idea about reached out to me and said I've done similar if you ever want to chat I'm here so just that <laughs> like you you say something and then you realize you're not alone even in your friend group people will come out and talk to you about it and you have that kind of support if you're not like the only one doing it you're not the broken weird one or whatever I don't think anyone's broken but that's the kind of thing that your brain can do to you I think we do need to get slightly better when it comes to talking about the messy side of mental health or the more, in air quotes, scary side of mental health. Because a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people talk about anxiety and depression. They are absolutely valid and real. As somebody who suffers from it, absolutely has affected my life. But there's still a lot of stigma around things like bipolar disorder or schizophrenia or those kind of ones. Do you know what I mean? I think there's still a bit of a schism. I'm hoping that we'll continue going that way. And people can, if they want to, because that's important, if they want to and feel comfortable, can talk about all the aspects of mental health and mental illness or ill health, even the not pretty hopeful side. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And I wonder if that, where we talk about PTSD, Mm -hmm. and I think for me, I know the terminology, uh, you know, my dad suffers with PTSD, but I wouldn't know what it feels for someone who goes through that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So do you want to just give us a breakdown of, again, personal experience for a disclaimer that, you know, Jem's, you know, given her view. Mm-hmm. But I'd, I'm keen to know, and obviously for the audience to, you know, what does that mean, you know, living with PTSD, but also the impact of it uh, in work, at home, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, as I said, I'm talking about my personal experience. I have complex PTSD from a abusive childhood. So complex PTSD, so PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder. Let's start with that. And the idea is it is after you've gone through something traumatic, it is the after effects of that. Complex PTSD tends to come from a more longer term traumatic situation. So being trapped in an abusive household, whether as an adult or a child, repeatedly experiencing or witnessing violence, Human trafficking can cause that. So it's, it's, it's very similar to PTSD in that, it, but it tends to be a bit, the trauma tends to be a bit more long-term, like over a period of years, whereas PTSD can come from a single incident. It can come from longer ones, but it can also come from a single incident of trauma, if that makes sense. So we've had PTSD shown in modern 
like in pop culture, it tends to be flashbacks that we see most often. And flashbacks absolutely happen. In PTSD, you tend to get the flashbacks that we see where the people are, their brain convinces them they're back in the traumatic situation. Something yeah. happens. The one we see is usually soldiers, right? A firework goes off or a car backfires yeah. and suddenly they're surrounded by gunshots back in war. Okay. That is, I mean, I've never experienced that type of flashback. It sounds terrifying. And it's being very careful. It's being aware of those triggers, even in yourself and trying to remove yourself from those situations. I get emotional flashbacks. So I don't believe that I'm in the situation that I was. I know that I'm not there anymore. But mm-hmm. all the feelings come back as a wave. So whether it's the fear, the shame, the anger, all of it just completely overwhelms me emotionally. And I have to, and there are times where it takes me back and I just basically stop because I can't continue on what I'm doing and experience these emotions at the same time. So I just have to kind of stop for a bit, ground myself back. So just like, right, I know I'm safe. I can see that I'm safe. I'm not in that situation anymore. And slowly bring myself back to myself and not have those overwhelming emotions that's what works. That's how my flashbacks work. They're called emotional flashbacks. There are issues that can come of it, especially if it's trauma from a child. You can have issues with relationships, whether that's being too open too quickly or not being able to be open with people for fear of... Because, especially with child trauma, yeah. if it's someone you're meant to be able to trust, that can mess up your trust, how your trust works, for a long time. It took me a long time to stop being too vulnerable too quickly with people i went completely the way i was i just went one to a hundred no boundaries whatsoever with people and that freaks people out okay because that can trigger because hearing like like why i give the disclaimer hearing about someone else's trauma can trigger your own so you have to kind of be aware of those boundaries with other people yeah so it can be really it can be one of the things where again you can't tell by looking at someone and you may not even know that you have it yourself for a time because this is just how you've been and you're not quite sure what's happening but it can affect you in multiple different ways. I'm not going to go into all of them because that would take quite a while, but the main big ones tend to be flashbacks of some kind. Difficulties with relationships. You can do disassociation as well, which I did for a while, which is where you completely... Well, there's multiple ways to disassociate. You can depersonalize, which is where you kind of almost see yourself as an out-of-body experience. Nothing You don't think... Nothing seems real. You seem out of your body. There's derealization where, again, everything around you seems like you're in a movie. So you're in your own body, but nothing else is real. Um, You can, I used to essentially just cut myself off from my feelings entirely. And so I just stopped feeling things because the emotions were too much. So my brain just noped out of that. Just, I'm just not going to deal with that. That can go in a box over there. And I'm sure that'll be fine to stay in that box for years. That's fine. And it wasn't fine, but therapy made it okay. So um, Mm. there's lots of different things you can do. The reason I want to talk about PTSD is you can get lockdown and and COVID, surviving COVID, all these things are traumatic experiences. These are things that may come out of this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think a big thank you, um, Jem, for opening up because I know it's not not easy. And I think me and Essa were just listening intently and going, wow. Mm. Because again, the ones that you mentioned with the soldiers, that's something you probably we've probably seen in, in movies because that's the way it's, you know, it, it's, again, we've seen on big screens when, you know, that post-traumatic stress happens. But the emotional one is something that I, you know, wasn't aware of. And it sounds, again, for the audience, I don't wanna, we don't want to make it, like, you know, scary, but it does sound like how scary is. And, you know, all of a sudden you get triggered and, you know, you're overwhelmed with all those emotions. And do you, would you then say if someone have those the first thing they should do is stop what they're doing from your personal experience. 
I mean, yeah, it was never, it was never really a choice for me to stop what I was doing. There was no other kind of option. It was, I couldn't, I literally couldn't continue. Like there wasn't enough, there wasn't enough processing power in my brain to continue what I was doing and have these emotions almost. It was like trying to run. At the same time, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like trying to run two programs on a really old computer. But stopping does mean you can ground yourself. And when I say ground yourself, it means anchor yourself back to your present situation and realize that you're not in that situation, that place anymore. And make yourself feel safe. And for me, the way I did that was stopping and kind of, for me, it's interacting with what I'm doing, with what I'm about. I'm a very kind of tactile person. If I can touch things, then it's like they're real. I'm definitely not in that place because this wasn't there or that wasn't there, that kind of thing. There are different grounding techniques that work for different people. I can send some links across and share some resources. But for me, yeah, stopping and grounding in the moment was the most important thing. But you've got to learn how to do that. And it's just practice, like everything. Yeah, I think with the you know references and, and some instructions, we'll definitely put that on the episode. It's interesting you mentioned COVID because I definitely do feel like people will, because it is a traumatic experience, however you look at it. I think you've given some advice on people who suffer from PTSD. What would be your advice for others, people who are not, yeah, people who are with someone who suffers or who are not aware or like a friend or someone in a relationship? Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, first things first, I'm going to give people a script they can use if someone comes to them and asks and and talks about not feeling great. Because I think the, the thing that I get asked the most is, what do I do if someone comes to me and is in a tough time. So I'm going to give you a bit of a script. You can change to however you speak and how you speak to that person. But essentially, the best way to start is, I'm sorry to hear that. That sounds terrible. So engage, validate their feelings. And then you can go, how can I help? Is listening help? Is there anything I can change in my behavior if you're someone it's lived with that can help? And those words, not only do they help, like I'm not saying just to do it like odd road, like engaging and validating and then asking the person what they need is incredibly helpful but it also gives you a little bit of space to like calm the initial panic of oh no I need to handle this conversation perfectly otherwise it's going to go bad it can just calm yourself down get into the moment and don't take control of the situation ask the person what they need so I will give you an example from my own life I am going to drop another trigger warning that I'm going to talk about disordered eating at this point so I have a little bit of a weird relationship with food Mm -hmm. I comfort eat a lot like a lot and so to my, I'm, I'm dealing with this right now um, with my therapist. And I said to my partner, if I ask for us to get takeout, or if I ask for you to buy chocolate when you go to the shop, just say to me, are you sure? Because that gives me the space to go, no, actually, no, don't do that. That's fine. We'll cook something. And it can be something as simple as that, right? Like mm-hmm. helping someone get a grip on their own mental health. Because the thing I say to people, and this is not meant to discourage you, you're not going to be able to solve their problem. They have to solve that problem. If it's a mental health issue, you cannot solve that problem. But what you can do is help validate and give them the control and support for them to get themselves, readdress themselves a little bit. So that's why I tell people to engage, validate and ask what they need. And then if you can do it, do it. It's as simple but difficult as that. No, I I think, again, it's. I'm so glad we're going on this because I think a lot of times, and again, probably a misconception that I thought is, if someone's dealing with mental health, that we can try and help them. But I think what you're saying, and rightly so, is, yeah, we can, but we allow them to process it, which is probably a healthier way than we trying to work out what's going on with them. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, also you've got to protect your, your own mental health when dealing with other people's mental health, right? And so giving control of their situation to them is not only empowering them, but it gives you a bit of those boundaries so you don't run in and take on almost all of their mental health issues yourself. Mm. Thanks, Jem. Because I think, again, these are the key points I think probably be you know good for audience but also for me and Hassan to listen because we haven't had anyone you know with depth of experience that you've had and it probably leads to I don't want to say wrap up is the wrong word because I want to just kind of recap what we've talked about and then again do a three-way conversation and you know our own personal uh, perspectives we talked about also mental health and the importance and you know Gemma mentioned the the key things you need to look out you know write them down what those are find that anchor and then we talked about PTSD Gem, I'm going to probably let you go first. If, you know, you... And you've, you've given tons of tips already. <laughs> if you had to give your top two, top three, it doesn't really matter on a number. Uh, we might want to give one. That, you know, that's all we might have, but Gem might have a good few. Mm-hmm. What would be your advice for, you know, with COVID and everything and the lockdown is going on, what would be your advice for, I would say, a lot of audience, that hope, that line of you know, light at the end of the tunnel that they want to hear that, yes, we've gone through this together, but it's going to be better. But the coping mechanism in between. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is a weird one, but this is my top tip for right now because everyone, I think, is a bit tired and a bit fed up of being anxious about COVID, right? So my first top tip around self-care is if something is worth doing, it is worth doing poorly. If your self-care is usually a whole routine of a thing, but you don't have the energy to do all of it, do part of it because you're still doing something. If all you can do is spend 30 seconds breathing a day, like deep breathing exercises, Mm. do those 30 seconds, carve those 30 seconds, use it to propel you forward. Do not think you have to do an entire self-care routine in order to get the good out of it. Do little and often. It's better than nothing. Do you know what? I love that. It's really, really powerful. And I think I might actually start doing that. Honestly, that's the thing that people have been really resonating with. I I said it as like it was like a throwaway in a talk once uh, last year, and so everyone took that away. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is the thing people need to hear. (laughs) So it's my favorite tip to share. No, and I can I can tell because we were saying I was like, oh yeah, that's that's actually simple, but yeah, effective. Hassan, I'm gonna throw your way. I know you're not gonna top Gem's advice. You know, that's that's a fact. No, I was gonna say Gem's advice times two. Um. <laughs> no, you can't do that. That's cheating. <laughs> uh, you, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta, uh, and to be fair, you know, it could be a top tip, it could be personal perspective, you know, like Gems mentioned. What would be your conclusion summary? My conclusion summary would be say to say it's okay not to be okay. I think people need to realize this now. You stole my line. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't write it down. <laughs> I just said it. So, um, and I think people need to know this. I know people keep saying this more and more, but I think we all need to be aware of others as well. Um, and for anyone who is out there or listening, um, there are many charities out there which can help and support. And we'll put a link yeah. uh, mm-hmm. of the stuff that Jem is doing. And I'm sure you can reach out to her. We'll put her personal personal, yeah. personal, personal number, details. Personal email address, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my address, everything. Why not? <laughs> GDPR rules do not apply here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but that'd be it. As in, it's okay not to be okay, but you should reach out as well to people um, if you are struggling or need help or just need to talk to someone. Or as we say, have a rant to someone. Yeah, uh, You hear that a lot in work. People go, oh, I need to have a rant. We're like, yeah, go on. Mm-hmm. Um, over to you, Hamid Amiri. Uh, okay, 
don't know if I say my full name is make it formal. I'm literally across your face. To be fair, you've you've both you both have really cool lines, so I'm not gonna try it. I think for me the personal perspective, I wanna probably highlight the importance of realizing talking about your downtimes um you know, your negative thoughts isn't actually a weakness but a strength. I think it takes a lot of courage you know, listen to the gem. It takes a lot of courage to talk about some of our darkest moments that we've gone through. So take that on board and not see it as a weakness. But also, this is what I do. Uh, and I don't know if it's healthy or not, but when I go through situations and I have low moments, I always go back to the lowest moment I've had in my life. So for example, right now is 2018, uh, losing you know, our older brother. And that was the lowest moment in my life. And when I go through emotions, I say, I went through that in 2018. I went through, I don't know, X thing on X date. And I've managed to come out of it okay. So my benchmark, let's say, is all the way to the bottom. And then I think my brain then says, this is nothing compared to what you've already been through. And you've come out of it at the side. And again, personal experience, that's what I do is... You might be in a dark place or going through something at the moment, but realize when you come out of it, it actually will become something that you can look back and say, I, in my case, Hamid, have managed to get through that. Therefore, this next challenge is nothing compared to that. That'd be my my advice. And again, as I said at the beginning, I don't know if it's healthy or not, but it's, it's helped me to reflect and look back a bit long-winded. Can I distill that into the cool line that you're looking for so you yeah. can take that away? You have survived 100% of your worst days. Yeah, I think that's what Howard was trying to say. But like, he explained it in five minutes and Jem said it in uh, five words. But no, like, thank you for sharing. That was amazing. And I fully, it's amazing. It's so good to look back and see how resilient you are. But I've seen, it's not for me, the quote is around, I've I've seen it other places. But yeah, you've survived 100% of your worst days, right? You're still here. You're still standing. You are Mm. resilient. Own it. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's, thanks, Jem. Jem just backed me up that, you know, it was cool. Just looking at your ass on, you know saying long with the five minutes but no i think that's probably where i want to you know where i want to end there there's the three tips but three advices from three different people different backgrounds different experience and i think i want to take this chance to you know thanks gem giving up a time on a sunday morning almost to be afternoon in a few minutes and gem i think i'd love to have you back on another episode and maybe talk about different perspectives mental health and you know ptsd but also i think it's it's just one of those conversations that people can tap into their own experience and and share and learn from each other yeah that's i think i want to wrap it there any final thoughts gem from you before we call it a day or morning afternoon i just want to thank you again this has been an absolute pleasure has this been the best one yet gem definitely just oh there you go thanks yes i ask every we'll we'll send you the 10 pounds for (laughs) for for saying this we say that to each guest even they put them on the spot and out of kindness they say yeah it's the best one we'll take it um gem honestly it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for being on our podcast and hopefully we will have a another session in in due time yeah definitely thank you guys take care take care thank you for listening to another episode of the three musketeers hosted by hamid and hissam amiri don't forget to share and follow as more thought-provoking episodes with guests around the world will be appearing soon. See you soon.